it going today, you guys? I'm back here live in the studio once again, one final time this week. Today is Friday, September 11th, 2020. I'm joined once again by none other than Ben Gorwitz. Ben, say what's up to everybody. It's good to be back. Good to be back. Hey, I don't know if y'all listened to me and Ben's last podcast. We broke down the entire Big 12 and ACC for you guys, so that podcast is up. Um, not going to lie, this is my favorite podcast of the week. I've been looking forward to doing this one all summer long. Not going to lie, I wasn't even sure if we were going to end up having a season or not. But since we are having a season, you know we get to have this podcast now. Couldn't be more excited to do it. And Ben, let's go ahead and start off with the first game here on the slate. And that is um, UNC at Syracuse. We know we always start off with the college football uh, me and Ben picked the biggest matchups of the week, and we do them ATS against the spread and over-under. Um, we'll say also if we're going to bet that game as well, but we'll start things off at 12 p.m. on the ACC Network. Syracuse plays Florida State. The current spread of this game is UNC minus 23, over-under set at 65.5. Ben, what do you think about this game? Uh, I expect your – I'm going to call them your Tar Heels all year <laughs> long. Um, I expect them – to show this offense out with some style, uh, with some style points. I mean, uh, meaning I expect a large victory coming here from Mac Brown and his squad. Um, I think, you know, an interesting thing to look for, um, with these first couple of games is how do people look with the limited time in the off season? I think a young energetic quarterback like Sam Howell, I'm not worried about him. I'm not worried about him looking, uh, a little faulty in the first couple throws. No, I- I'm expecting a lot of style points early in Austin. Hey, I like the way you're thinking about that, Ben, because I'm thinking the exact same way. Look, when I look at this game, Syracuse was absolutely awful. They gave up 30.6 points per game. I mean, pretty much last year in college football, there's a couple teams that were giving up 40 and 50, but pretty much all the other worst teams are giving up in that 30-point range. That was also the second worst in the entire ACC um, on top of that, they have two new coordinators, and they won two games in the ACC last year. So Syracuse, I'm not really liking their outlook that much. They do, unfortunately, or they do fortunately for them, bring back their um, same quarterback, Tommy DeVito, from last year. He's a junior now. But when I look at UNC, I see a lot of room that they could have done even better last year. I mean, they lost all six of their losses last year came by seven points or less. I mean, you got to think second year with a sophomore quarterback like Sam Howell, you're only going to get better. On top of that, they have they bring back their top tackler on defense, their middle linebacker, um, Daz. I can't think of his first name. It's Daz something, and then. Um, they're, they also have four 100K, which is, or what am I saying, 100? They have four um, 1K, which is 1,000 yard players back on the offensive side of the ball. Therefore, all this brought me, I'm just going to go ahead and play it this way, honestly. North Carolina first half minus 13 and a half is the bet I'm going to make on this game. And if that's not covering, I'm going to live bet UNC to start off the second half. I'm, I would play the full game spread, but honestly, I think one half's a little bit better. I feel like they're going to come out firing on all cylinders and try to go ahead and get these big wide receivers involved early. We should, I mean, we should see improvements. Um, this is a very favorable matchup for everything, for all the reasons that you just said. Um, of you know, veteran successful coach in Mac Brown is in another season. Um, I, you know, I, I trust him. Even with a little bit of a limited, um, you know, off season, I I expect to have these boys ready to play and play at a very high level. That uh, I mean, listen, like they were they were good last year. They're expected to be a good amount better this year, and you know, I, I think they're gonna want to start from their version of week one, week two in college football. But their week one, I think they want to do it all season long. You got to start from week one when you're not expected to be a favorite in your conference. You have to show out early and often and I expect that from UNC yeah and the thing that makes me feel even better about UNC giving them the beat down is Mac Brown said himself in a quote he said you know being ranked 18th in the nation at all is good and dandy but we haven't done anything yet this season he said that's all based off last season we're ready to come out and prove what we're made of this year and I mean that's something to get you fired up right there if you want to support UNC in this game the fact that their head coach is ready to go ahead and put it on Syracuse. I think that there's teams more than ready to play. You know, this was a team that brought in a top recruiting class for the first time in a long time. I mean, they were down in the dumps before Mac Brown showed up, and I think there's so much positivity and excitement. I bet you they're excited to play because they probably thought they weren't going to be able to play after being so ready to have a big season. So, I think. Well, you and what were you saying? Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say UNC did have some success under uh, Larry Fedora. 
Um, and then that uh, was the cheating scandal that happened. And then, mm-hmm. but Mac Brown seems to be taking it to another level, and he's only been there for a year. I mean, this his recruiting class he's brought in that you just talked about, and the next one that's obviously not completed yet is looking damn good. So, you know, Mac Brown's kind of taking that to another level. I mean, UNC has had some success. Um, I mean, they've put some guys in the pros recently too. So, you know, Mac Brown is taking it to another level. Yeah, and the, well, the last two years against Fedora, like Fedora's last year, they won two games. So, you know, and the year mm-hmm. before that, they won four. So, you know, it's it's been – they're pretty much looking like a basketball-only school, but they're a football school again. I just feel like they're going to come out fired up. That's why I went ahead and took one half, and now it's kind of, you know, it prevents us from having a backdoor cover late in the second half as well. Um, next game on the slate here kicks off at 3.30. My Florida State Seminoles play the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Um, that game's on 3.30 on ABC. Um, your current spread on this game has FSU. It actually moved today. They were a 13-point favorite. Now they're a 12-point favorite. And the total op- opened at 54.5. It's down down to 51.5. Which way are you going with on this one, Ben, and why? Yeah, this is this is probably the best matchup of the week. Um, most comp- yeah, what we I think it'll be a pre- pretty competitive game. Um, so we have UNC who changed everything when Jeff Collins came in. They went from the Paul Johnson's triple option um, to a different style of offense, playing a total, totally different style of defense. Uh, and this is going to be year two. Um, year one, you could see you know some minor improvements as the weeks go on, but we weren't expecting much. Year two, I have a little bit more expectations for Tech, um, but nothing crazy. I mean, this is going to take Jeff Collins some time. And then on the other side, Florida State has an entire new coach. I believe he's bring in the spread in. It's what he's run everywhere else. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a new new kind of offense, a little bit more spread out. Um, this is a wild card of a game. I, I don't know. I mean, you can listen to anyone. No one knows what's happening in this game. You don't know how Norvell's offense is going to look, and you don't know what Tech is going to look like. So I'm thinking of the under in this game. I don't think there's going to be very many points because I don't trust either offense right now. I think – Eventually, Florida State might be able to put up some points in this spread. I don't think it's going to happen right away. Um, and I don't trust James Blackman for what he's shown me in years past. Um, and Tech, I just, you just don't know. I mean, you just don't know what their offense is going to look like compared to year one. Um, I'm not taking this game as of now, but if I was, the under. Yeah, um, I'm actually don't hate that under bet either with you on that one. Uh, it could be very sloppy as well with these teams just coming back and all the uncertainty and everything. Um, Georgia Tech is apparently going to go with true freshman quarterback Jeff Sims. Actually, I'm not sure if he's redshirt or true freshman, but that's who they're thinking about starting as their starting quarterback. Um, Georgia Tech's 4-1 ATS the last five times they've played against FSU. Look, if I was in the business of betting against my team, I'd probably take Georgia Tech plus, th- plus the 12. Um, I mean, I'm personally not going to play it just because I don't like betting against my team, but I really think there's a lot of value here on Georgia Tech for the exact same reasons you said. I mean, Florida State's biggest problem was the offensive line. Last time I checked, we really didn't bring in anything new on that offensive line. I mean, Norvell, there's definitely be some growing pains with him here. Might take Tech a little bit, I mean, the Knowles a little bit of time to wake up. We also won't have that home crowd there cheering us on, which I think hurts a lot. They get that war chant going and everything. That's a tough environment for any team to come play them. Too bad none of that's going to be happening for us. So, overall, you know, I think that this game really is a toss-up, and I think 13 points might be way too much. I agree with you also on playing that under. I'm not going to touch anything in this game, but if I were to play anything, I think it, Georgia Tech plus 13 and the under are the only two ways I could go. Also, too, FSU doesn't have Cam Akers anymore. Cam Akers was our entire offense last year. I mean, we do have Tamarian, Tamarian Terry and Big Marv back, two of the best players in the ACC, but it's going to be pretty hard if Blackman doesn't have any time to get the ball out to um, Terry. I need one fan in that stadium. I need one. I want one fan to be there. Matthew Drylinger? Nope, but it's his brother, Stephen. I hope he <laughs> listens to this. I need Stephen in that stadium. I need it. Maybe put him on the sideline, get Red Lightning back in there with his Stevens red hair, and the Knowles would win the game if you put Steven on the sideline. Uh, but all jokes aside, um, this is going to be an interesting matchup um, because of all the uncertainty. Uncertainty. Now, I know that you could say that for a lot of teams. Not a lot of people have practiced. Um, there was a point where we didn't even know if people were going to play. 
I just think that when you're bringing in a totally new offense, totally different scheme, um, and then on the other side of the ball with Tech, they're still brand new. It's only a year in. Um, that's kind of why I, w- I was leaning towards the under. Hey, I don't trust me. I don't hate your under bet at all. There, I'm just personally not going to play anything on this game. I'm just going to sit back, watch as a fan, and hope the Knowles don't break my heart. Um, the last college football game we'll go with. Not going to lie, it was pretty hard to um, to uh, pick out games from this slate because they're so lopsided. But I went with Duke and Notre Dame as their last game starts at two thirty over on NBC. Um, total on this one or the spread on this one is twenty and a half for Duke. Also, the over under set at fifty three. Um, or, I mean, Duke is the underdog at plus 20 and a half. Um, which way are you going with this one and why? Yeah, so Duke is going to play disciplined football. They That's usually what they do. Very little penalties. I just – I don't think they have talent. I, I don't think they have the talent to compete with this Notre Dame team. Notre Dame is returning all five offensive linemen. Uh, star quarterback Ian Book. Um I expect some points from Notre Dame. Um, I do. I, I think the continuity on the offense, I, I think I think you can run the ball all game long. Um, I, I don't think I don't think they come out of the gates firing. I think it's gonna take them a little bit to get going. Um, but I, I I I'm not gonna personally take this once again. Um, I'm looking at my, I'm looking at some other games, but I I'm not expecting Duke to uh, come close in this game to be honest with you I, I think brian kelly is going to ground and ground and pound um with his running backs rely on this veteran offensive line that all of them came back um and i think ian buckle has some easy throws uh, as the game continues on interesting see i'm gonna go the opposite way on you with this one and i actually am playing this one as well i'm playing the duke plus 20 and a half man look duke has the two best corners in the ACC, not to mention the single best corner. They have two all-ACC defensive ends who had over seven sacks each last year. I think that defense might be able to get to Ian Book a little bit, and also I think they might make it tough for him to pass considering the fact he doesn't have Chase Claypool or Cole Komet anymore this year. His two favorite targets. Um, Cutcliffe is Dave Cutcliffe, Duke's head coach, is taking over play calling. Like you said, he's a very disciplined head coach, and he knows how to rally this team and bring this team together. I think they're going to rally around Clemson quarterback transfer Chase Bryce, who can definitely play. Um, you know, Dude can that, play. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Chase Bryce can definitely play. I feel like that it's going to be a low-scoring game. I'm the opposite of you on this one. I feel like it's going to be a low-scoring game, and I feel like that you know, in the in the in like the heat of the game, I feel like Duke can squeeze out ten points or so. And I also feel like they're going to get a backdoor cover late in this game and score late. I feel like Cutcliffe's really going to try, you know, to get this offense together and get something rolling no matter what's happening. I don't think Duke's going to quit and give up no matter what the score is on the scoreboard. So with all that being said, I could look for you know the final score of this game to be something like. 38 to 17 or you know like like uh tw- like 17 31 something like i feel like it's gonna be a d i mean i'm not saying it's gonna be a crazy high scoring game i think the under will hit personally but i think that duke's gonna be able to cover this number yeah I mean, there's a good point they do have you know talent on that defense um and and i like chase bryce's talent you know for the little time that he's mm-hmm. had to play at clemson um I just, for my personality, when I when I see a veteran offensive line, especially at a school like Notre Dame, um, I tend to lean on them. I, I think Brian Kelly's going to lean on them. Um, I know that these defensive ends that you mentioned uh, do have talent, did put up good numbers last year. Um, I, I mean, I, I just expect Notre Dame's offensive line to put on a show. I, I really do. Yeah, no, I think that I think the fact Notre Dame's got that offensive line back will definitely help them out later on the season. I just feel like game one might go a little sloppy, you know, for both teams on offense, and so therefore I. Feel well, that's like why I think that's why I think Notre Dame's going to rely on the run. I mean, it's it's hard to be it's a lot easier to be slap, sloppy throwing the football than it is run. Make the handoff and just let the big boys up front create the holes for you. I mean, they're going to be there throughout this game. Maybe not the entire game, but when you have five offensive linemen back who all played last year who all played together last year in the same positions. I tend to favor that a little bit more when you know Notre Dame. Notre Dame always has a good running back. Could not tell you who the guy's name is right now. I could care less. He's going to be good. Notre Dame can recruit. Brian Kelly can recruit. And Ian Book's a veteran at this point. I do not expect him to make any mistakes. I don't. Because he should know 
the plays. He should know the reads. He should know how to play football by, by, uh, by this point in his career. So that's why I'm leaning towards Notre Dame. I love the veteran presence on this team. I think the leadership is going to be there. And I'm relying on the big hogs up front. Hey, fair enough. I'm relying on that Duke defense to come up and get some stops and Chase Bryce to put a couple scores on the board. That's all we need. I think if I think if Duke can get to 17 points, they can cover this one. I feel like that's something they should be able to do. But those are by far the best matchups. Um, is there any game we didn't talk about on here, Ben, that you're looking forward to watching or that you have a bet on? Um, you know, I was looking at some earlier. Um, I still like – I know it's a close line for week one. But I still like Louisville. Uh, 11 and a half, I believe it is right now, against Western mm-hmm. Kentucky. Um, I know Western Kentucky. I was reading up on that. They do bring offensive uh, weapons back. I think what Satterfield is going to bring um, to the table, it, I think it's going to be well-known again this year. Um, I think this guy has the tools, the skill players of how he kind of likes it right now. Um, he's bringing back the quarterbacks. I, I believe Cunningham is going to start, but they do have Juwan Pass, um, who Coach Satterfield is familiar with. Um, I think Louisville is going to be able to score some points. I do. Um, another one that you know you and I had talked about previously was, um, you know, we were talking about Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Um, they're playing a team that won was it one game or two games last year? Yeah, they won one game, and they're an FCS team. And they're bringing in an entirely new offensive scheme and defensive scheme. That just screams nightmare. Um, I don't expect Spencer Rattler to play much in the second half. So that would be something I would be worried about maybe. But Oklahoma's backup should even be able to throw the ball all over Missouri State. Um, So those are the two I was kind of looking at. Um, I do plan on taking the Louisville 11 and a half. Hey, I definitely like that play right there. Um the one other game that we didn't put on here that I'm actually pretty excited for is watching Clemson annihilate Wake Forest. I just think it'll be fun to watch Clemson's offense go back at it. Once again, watch Trevor Lawrence and ETN. Um, you know they'll be able to replace whatever they're missing at wide receiver. I mean, it's freaking Clemson. They're bringing in five stars like it's nothing nowadays. And they finally have had a couple top recruiting classes, which is something they didn't have when they were still winning. On top of that, Clemson has absolutely dominated the ACC as a favorite of 20 or 30-plus points. Whether it's in-conference, out-of-conference, Clemson has dominated no matter what against the spread. I expect nothing less of that. They only didn't cover one conference game last year, which was against UNC. So I think it's more of the same here for Clemson because they absolutely stomp them. But I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's not a whole lot of great games to choose from. I'm just happy to have college football back, so I'll be excited to sit there and watch these games play out. Um, Before we move over to the NFL games, we have a massive game tonight in the NBA. That's Game 7 tonight between the Raptors and Celtics. It has the Celtics as a three-point favorite, and it also has a total of um, 205. Um, which way would you go for this game, Ben, and how do you think this game's going to play out? First of all, it's two best words in sports. Game 7. doesn't matter what the sport is. You put Game 7 in it, my eyes are glued to the television. To the game. Um, this has been a roller coaster. Uh, if you want to call it that Celtics have looked really good almost this entire series. They had a very good chance to go up three Oh, couldn't two one. They lost by 0.5 in the, in that game. I mean, the pass goes, first of all, great pass by Kyle Lowry over the ginormous taco fall. Oh. And I don't know how OG and Anobi hit that shot. But whatever. They won that game. They played – both teams played very well in game six. I mean, that was like seriously one of the better NBA games I can remember of how good of the postseason game that was. Um, problem was Kemba Walker decided not to show up. He just could not find his rhythm. Um, even though he did get fouled and it wasn't called at the end, the Celtics should have won that game, whatever. There's no reason to not take plus three Raptors in my opinion. Now, I'm a little biased because I already picked the Raptors in a bracket challenge I'm in. These games, this game's going to be close. I know that the I, I know that the Celtics did blow them out. Was it game two? One of the games was not close. One of the games was, was not close. It was game one, they absolutely they blew them out. Game one. And then game, um, uh, and then game five as well, they got blown out. Yeah, I expect Kyle Lowry and everyone else on this Raptors team 
that helped win a championship last year. Because, folks, listen, it was not Kawhi Leonard. Are they a little bit worse without Kawhi? Obviously. In my opinion, he's the second-best player in basketball. Kyle Lowry is a champion. He's a winner. He's a dog. Fred Van Fleet, dog. These dudes can play, and they play hard on both Mm -hmm. ends of the court. The X factor, to me, is there's two of them for the Raptors. Nick Nurse? Norman Powell. Norman Powell. No, okay. not Nick Nurse. Norman Powell and Serge Ibaka. When those, okay. two's, when those two play well, the Raptors win the games in this series. For the Celtics, I'm not worried about Tatum. I'm not worried about Jalen Brown. I'm not worried about Kemba Walker. I, w- I expect Kemba Walker to have a much better game than I think he put up five points. The key to them is how many threes is Marcus Smart going to make? Yep. He's been a killer in this series. He's been outstanding on the defensive end. He's been outstanding on the offensive end. He's been outstanding in leadership. Um, I am choosing the Raptors in this game. I'm not going to play it because I already have money on it from my bracket challenge, but I have the Raptors in that, so I would take plus three Raptors. Yeah, um, I actually did play it. I played half a unit on the Raptors plus three, and then I played the under. The under in game sevens hits at a seventy. It's over seventy one percent of the time. I mean, these two teams would have been under this total last game or last uh, game at the end of first overtime and at the end of regulation easily. So I think it'll go under that total. I think it's going to be a rock fight out there. Um, to be honest with you, I think you hit the nail on the head, Ben. I mean, I just don't want to sit here and repeat everything he just said. I mean, he hit the nail on the head even down to the. Uh, to the X-Factors, the Raptors. I'm going to say this. I think Nick Nurse is going to give them that mental edge they need. You know, this is a guy who came from the G League. He pretty much started out in the lowest of low spots. He couldn't worked his way all the way up to where he's at now. He didn't get that by being lazy and complacent. He got it by thinking outside of the box and working harder than everyone. That's the mentality this Toronto team has, and I think that's what they're going to bring. They're going to bring that dog mentality in there tonight. And they're going to fight hard down to the last whistle. I think Toronto is going to end up pulling this one out in a tight one. I mean, I think three points, like you said, no is a lot. I think it's going to come down to pretty much the last shot. So I like the fact I get three points on this one. I think that the Toronto's defense is going to be end up what it gets it there for him. And I think this is going to be a legacy game for Kyle Lowry. So let's go Raptors. We'll see what happens tonight. I'm excited. Well, and so the only reason I don't bring up Nick Nurse as an X Factor is, I mean, listen, he's a tremendous coach, but so is the other guy. Brad True. Stevens is. He's actually phenomenal um, as a coach. So I don't – in this series, like, I don't think there's a coaching advantage. I don't. And I was – I don't know if we talked about uh, – if you and I had talked about this previously, but there's a couple teams in the NBA where – in the in the teams in the playoffs right now specifically, where when you talk about their team success, you always, 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 no matter who's talking, you always bring up the coach, the Celtics. You always bring up how good Brad Brad Stevens is. Raptors, people always talk about Nick Nurse. The Miami Heat, Spolster's been mentioned for however long he's been there. He's been an unbelievable coach. You can't replace the – and I'm not saying the other coaches aren't great, but I don't believe Frank Vogel does that much. As great of a coach as I think Doc Rivers is, I don't think Doc Rivers does that much. Okay? How hard is it to coach this Clippers team? Now – Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about, but he's got two perennial superstars. Maybe yeah, Paul George is a superstar, is he not? Mm, you call nah, pa- Paul George is a maybe a star. Yeah, he's maybe a star, a, not a superstar. Maybe he's a star. He's been really good these past couple of games, though. And then he's yes. got the best be, best bench player of all time in Lou Williams. Okay. Yep. The six. How hard these guys know? How, these guys are all veterans. He's got a ton of other veterans on the team as well. How hard is it? These guys know how to play basketball. How hard is it to coach? You know what I mean? Like, so that's that's my point of view of it. So I don't think in this Raptors Celtics series is an X factor in the coaches. I also I don't know this for a fact, so I don't love bringing this up because I don't know the answer. But has the over hit once in regulation in this Celtics game? I'm not 100 percent sure on that one. If they've gone over, I. Don't, I think I it might think have been one game. Maybe once. Game. But did it was the one game the overtime game though? I think you, I so think, I'm yeah, I'm not 100% sure on that one. That's a good question. My my point my point being both of these teams play outstanding defense. Mm-hmm. Now, you get a couple open shots throughout this game. I mean, that's basketball. You're not going to play great defense 100% of the defensive possessions. 
but I expect a low-scoring game again. It's game seven. Usually there's a little bit of nerves in shooting. These defenses are great. And I do want to point out this. The Eastern Conference teams left. So there's Boston, Toronto, Miami. All are great at the defensive end. Then you have the Western Conference teams, Rockets for now, Lakers, Clippers, and Nuggets. All, I mean, there's the Clippers and Lakers do play good defense, but all all four of the Western Conference teams can score, score, score. These Eastern Conference teams, you have games that are barely in the 100s. Mm-hmm. We're going into Game 7. I expect a low-scoring game again. Hey, if y'all can't pick up on the trend, we're both looking towards the under. I'm not going to lie, Ben. You put that better than I could even put it. I honestly don't even have anything else to say. I mean, you broke that game down perfectly. I don't know if there's anything else I could even add to better than you just did right there. Um, with all that being said, it's going to be a fun one tonight. If you, Let's put it this way. If you got two eyeballs, you better be tuned into that one or else you're not doing yourself a favor there. Um, let's look over here now at the NFL. Um, I picked four games for us for the NFL that we're going to go ahead and run through for y'all real quick. Start things off with a little 1 p.m. action with the Vikings playing their rival, the Packers. This game is in Minnesota in the in the Viking ship, as I like to call it. Um, the <laughs> spread on this game is Vikings minus two and a half. Um, the over under is currently set at 44 and a half. Uh, what are you thinking on this one? So I have no idea what this Packers uh, team is going to look like. Um, I don't love just like everyone else. I don't love that they didn't. I think they could have added a weapon uh, mm-hmm. for Aaron Rodgers. Um, I, I think he could have used one more receiver. Um, Devontae Adams is a superstar. That dude's a stud. Um, Valdez, Scantling, I do like him. And I'm blanking on the third guy right now. But he's also pretty good. But they're pretty good. Other than Devontae Adams, they're they're pretty Lizard. good options. Lazard, thank you. I think Aaron Rodgers needed another weapon. Um for this division, um, I don't see the Packers having as much success as they did last year, but it's Aaron Rodgers, and when he's an underdog against divisional opponents, I like Aaron Rodgers. Um, I'm not going to lie, Ben. I'm all over the Packers in this situation here. So week one, in-division dogs are 17-3 and three against the spread. Since 2013, um, also the look. I'm there is no team I want to fade more right now than the Minnesota Vikings. I actually think the wrong team is favored in this game. I would bet the Packers minus two and a half if that was an option. Um, <coughs> Vikings. It's because they're home. I'm, it's probably because the Vikings are home. No, that's exactly what it is. But so the Vikings, they have one of the best home field advantages in the NFL typically, but not in this situation. They have no fans in that stadium. Not to mention, look at their defense. They lost so many people. They lost Linval Joseph up the middle, who's their big run. He was a top ten run stopper in the entire NFL. You don't have Everson Griffin. Danil big Hunter's loss. Not, yeah, Daniel Hunter's not playing in this game. He's the fastest defensive end in the NFL or fastest player in general to a hundred sacks in NFL history. That's a massive loss. Yannick Ngawai, yeah, you just traded for him. How much of the playbook does he actually know, though? I mean, you could say it doesn't take that much to come off the edge, but still, he's not going to know these plays, man. On top of all that, look at that secondary. You lost pretty much everyone except for Harrison Smith. That includes all-pro Xavier Rhodes. You know, and it's not easy to replace guys like that. Alexander Madison, I mean, you just keep going down and down the list of all these guys that they lost in that secondary. The Vikings are going to have six new defensive starters. Look, all these rookies they're plugging in here might be good, but... I don't really think that they are going to be ready to go week one with no preseason. On top of that, when you look at the offense, all you have is Adam Thielen at wide receiver. Justin Jefferson, I doubt we'll see the field this season from reports I've heard. And, I mean, he ran all his routes up the slot at LSU. That's where it, that's where Thielen goes to work. So I see no wide receiving threat on the outside. Kirk Cousins is not that kind of quarterback that's going to make the plays for you like that. The Packers center in on the run. Everything will be fine for Green Bay. Packers plus three and a half or plus three or two and a half is my best bet on Sunday. Also, the unders cashed five out of the last six times they played. I don't know if you want to dabble in that under, but that's too sweaty for me. Yeah, I, I'm not going to personally touch the uh, under. I mean, listen, when I see, like I said before, divisional opponent, Rodgers, underdog. Yep. Um, I feel like that's just asking him to go off. That's what I'm saying. You got that week one divisional underdog trend going for us, too. So that makes it even better for us. 
Yeah, man, I love the Packers in this situation. I think it's gonna. I think the Packers will end up winning this game, probably like twenty-seven to seventeen or something like that. I mean, to Matt Lafleur when he comes in there on Matt Lafleur in his first three drives of the game has the highest offensive rating. The Packers are the highest offensive rating of any team in the league. After that, they're near, they were near the below average last year. But I mean, you know, Matt Lafleur's had all offseason long to go ahead and plan out these drives and everything. I think the Packers get on them early and coast the rest of the game. Yeah, I mean, he's got Aaron Rodgers too. I mean, I, I yeah. think Aaron Rodgers has free will at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, and I mean, when you have Aaron Jones and a run, I mean, this is a run-heavy offense and team. You got Aaron Jones, you got A.J. Dillon now, you still got Jamal Williams. They got everything they need here to go off, and a healthy Devontae Adams, not to mention. And we know what Devontae Adams can do when he's healthy. He's a top-five receiver in this league when he's healthy. So, Packers, I'm loving on Sunday. The next game on our slate here, we're going to go with Sunday Night Football at 8.20. It is the Dallas Cowboys visiting the um, Los Angeles Rams. I almost called them the St. Louis Rams for a second. I got yeah. myself. Um, I've got – so the spread on this game is Dallas is a three-point road favorite. The over-under is set at 51.5. Um, what are you thinking on this one, Ben? Oh, I hate saying this, but I do like the Cowboys this season. Okay. I I like I like what they bring to the table. I just have no confidence in the Cowboys. I have none. I have I never have any. Give the ball to Zeke, and they win games. Feed Zeke, feed him. Um, I also have zero faith in Jared Goff. Um, I I don't know, don't really know why he's getting paid as much money as he. I mean like. I get it. You went to Super Bowl, you get paid for that. But like, I just—he hasn't really proven to me that he's gonna be anything good when he's not being babied by Sean McVay. Do you remember that when that report came out saying that McVay would tell him in his, you know, the helmet microphone, mm-hmm. he would say, "Hey, this doesn't look good audible to this." This was like two seasons ago, and part of last year. The reports that like, uh, why are you paying Jared Goff this much money if you don't trust him? Right, so problem is the Cowboys have some injuries on their defense. Um, I, a new coach doesn't concern me in the NFL. Mike McCarthy's been there, done that in the NFL. He's had success. I think Dak is gonna, or let me rephrase this. I think Dak not getting the deal done is going to benefit him from playing under Mike McCarthy. Um, I, I I think Dax can continue these good numbers he puts up. It's time to make some good wins happen, though. I think it starts week one. I think they do get a road win. Okay. I'm not confident in it. Let's put it this way. I am think Dallas will make the playoffs this year. Do I think they'll win week one? Not necessarily. I am actually have a max bet on the Rams plus three. I love this spot for them. Dallas has a lot of injuries on the O-line right now, including Travis Frederick, who's actually not a even lot. playing this season, who retired. They have Lil Collins down. Um, Sean Lee is out. I mean, they're pretty weak at the safety position, too, not to mention. And Gerald McCoy's out. Um, five out of the last six times these teams have played, they've hit the over. I'm going over as well in this game. I really like it. I really like them. I'm very, very feel, like strong on these bets. I wasn't as strong on the ones last night. I'm very strong on the ones in this game. Um, look, when I look at this Rams team, this is a team that was awful last season until I believe it was week 11 when they switched over to the 11 per, or the 21 personnel and they started using two tight ends instead. After they did that, Jared Goff's passer rating went through the roof. This offense started to move the ball. Higby took over as one of the best tight ends. Put it this way, I also like player props on Higby to score a touchdown and his receiving yards and catches. I think Higby's going to have a monster game. Also think they're going to use this stable of backs, and I think Cam Akers is going to make himself a household NFL name in primetime. I think they're going to spring him loose. I think the Rams, and look, they may not necessarily win this game straight up, but I think the Rams definitely cover plus three. I think they're being disrespected on opening night as a home dog. My concern is, one, you, you just never know how the Cowboys are going to show up. Um, mm-hmm. That was the Jason Garrett era, so I'm looking forward to see what McCarthy can do on a consistent basis. And two, yeah, I mean, I, I'm concerned about the injuries, for sure. Um, I do think most of their offensive linemen are going to be able to go. Um, I Let's see. I think they have three. I think they have three of them. Uh, two were limited in practice, uh-huh. and I think and I think Zach Martin, who's their best one, missed practice uh, uh, Tuesday. I think he did, but I think okay. he's gonna. I believe he's gonna be able to go. 
I would, you know, if for the people listening, if you plan on betting on this game and you do like the Cowboys a little bit better, I would wait to see the report to see which offensive linemen are playing. I think if they play, um, I think the Cowboys win because I think if the offensive linemen are able to play, I, I think they're able to block well. They have a very good offensive line. and Zeke runs very well behind them. Uh, Dak makes good decisions, uh, whether that's with his legs um, or throwing the ball. I'm really interested to see what C.D. Lamb can do. Um, Jalen Ramsey just got big, big money. Well, mm-hmm. it's it's time to show the Rams why he did that. He's going to be locked up on Amari Cooper, you would think. Um, I think I think some of these rookie wide receivers in the league, if they get some one-on-one coverage, I think you're going to see some damage. Um, I, I really do. I, I think C.D. Lamb, I, I think it's a I think it's a good fit for him. He runs great routes. He's very fast. Um, not quite as fast as uh, Hollywood Brown, uh, but he had a very successful year for the Ravens. I think just play your game. If, if you're CeeDee Lamb, just don't – You know, I, I think you just run your routes, you play your game. He's going to be open. This dude is always going to be open. Um, same with Jerry Judy. I know we're not going to talk about the Broncos right now, but – if Cortland Sutton's able to give it a go, if Judy gets a one-on-ones, the dude's going to dominate, just like Calvin Ridley did. These guys are special in running their routes. Yep. They really are. These these wide receivers that go to these big-name schools are special. Yep. Um, I think C.D. Lamb is, is in that special category. I think he gives the Cowboys um, the boost. I mean, I, I really do. I think he has a very good rookie season because I think Amari Cooper is going to get a lot of the spotlight, as he should. Yeah, and not to mention they got Gallup in there too. Also, too, another yeah. reason that I really like the uh, Rams in this game. Think about this: for this game for the rant for Dallas is being played at eight thirty at a night game, which might kind of throw their routine a little bit off from everything from the um, just from training camp and everything for the Rams. This is because they're out on the West Coast. This is pretty much like a five thirty start. Also, too, in a COVID year, I think it travel is going to be really weird for some of these teams just because, you know, it's not your typical traveling experience. You know, you got to wear that mask on the plane, maybe usually sleep on the plane. You probably can't sleep with that mask on. It's start to breathe. I just feel like that there's going to be a lot of wacky things with traveling with COVID and everything. I mean, these teams trying to avoid it. So that's all the more reason that I like the Rams in this one with them traveling out in the West Coast. Anything else you want to say about this one before we move? No, I'm good to, to move this next matchup. It's exciting. Hey, I'm I'm so excited, man. Um, next one up we got on here is the Bucks at the Saints, and so the New Orleans Saints are currently a three and a half point favorite. Um, the over under is set at forty eight points right now. I'll start us off on this one. Um, actually, Ben, you want to hear something funny before I even start us off on this one? Always. Um, so I'm not sure if anything's happened in the last couple hours, but the New Orleans actually hasn't even approved the Saints can play in the Dome yet. They said no to it originally, so I'm not even 100% sure where this game is going to be played at. Wouldn't that be crazy if this game had to get moved somewhere else? So play it, I mean, I play it in, They should play it in Baton Rouge. Man, that would be even crazier. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure where they're going to play in this game at, but if I had to guess, they'll end up letting them play their boat. So the Saints are 1-17 against the spread in weeks 1-2. and two. Brady hasn't been a dog in a, in, a, in any game since week two of 2015. I'm not sure they're playing against. And another th- good news here for Tampa Bay is <clears throat> teams seeking revenge from losing back-to-back games are nine and one to a team the season before are nine and one against the spread against them week one since 2013. All of those apply to Tampa Bay here. Look, I honestly think this game's going to go over, and I think Tampa Bay is going to have themselves a day. The Saints usually never show up in the first couple weeks. Also, you know, Drew Brees is going to be a little nervous, I feel like. This is the first time really setting his foot on field in the spotlight. They're going to play the national anthem and everything, you know, with him, with his comments. I just feel like that it's a weird kind of nerve-wracking situation for Drew Brees with some pressure that he's never really had before. I personally think it's going to be a shit show this season in New Orleans. Therefore, I think the Buccaneers cover this game. I would not be surprised to see them win outright. I don't hate a little bet with a little juice on the money line. Yeah, I, I'm not quite following though. I I think the comments are over with with Drew Brees. I don't I don't think anybody cares. Uh, to be honest with you, um, I'm interested. Well, so originally, you know, if you had asked me a couple of days ago, I would have been worried about this whole Alvin Kamara situation. Seems to be, it's it's in the right direction. He doesn't care. He's letting his agent and all that figure it out for him. Um, 
Tampa Bay, for what people don't talk about, has a very good defense. Uh, I believe they were, were they second or third against the run last year in the NFL? And they brought almost everyone back. Um, they have a very good linebacking core. Um, Ndamukong Su did get brought back. Um, I don't think it matters, to be honest with you. I, I think the when you play against, I don't care how good your defense is, when you play against people like Brady and Breeze, the only way to beat them is to get to the quarterback. And I trust the Saints Wow. More than the Buccaneers, um, I, I yeah, I mean, I, I expect I expect points in this game. To be honest with you, both of these quarterbacks can shred any defense, no matter what the scheme is, at any point in time. Doesn't matter. You could put fifteen guys on the field. I don't care. Drew Brees is completing a pass, completing a little six yards length to Michael Thomas. It's gonna happen. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I expect I expect big things. Um, Michael Thomas is coming off a big year. A lot of people talking about him. I, I don't understand the hate with Michael Thomas. Like you and I are both Falcons fans. I, I really don't understand. I, I think he's a really good receiver, but I don't put him on DeAndre Hopkins level and Julio's level. I think he's right below that, but I think he's a superstar. I think he's a stud. I think you can make a claim. I mean, I, I think he is the third best receiver in the league. Um, Brady, I expect to start slow. Um, I know that he has had workouts and he has had time. But you can't uh, emulate um, uh, game speed. I think it's going to take a couple drives for him to get going. I, I think the Saints get a little bit of a first-quarter lead. And I think the points continue to score, and I think it ends up being close. But I would take the Saints in this game. Um, I, I just trust Drew Brees having all of his weapons back. Um, I, I expect Michael Thomas, Brees, and Kamara, the big three, um, to have a good game. And you just never know where Taysom Hill is going to end up. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, I like the fact that we were different on the last two games here. But I am feel pretty good about Tampa Bay, honestly, in this one. I haven't officially played anything on this one. I'm leaning hard, though, on playing Tampa Bay plus the points. I would definitely play Tampa Bay in a teaser, though. If you can, if you do six or seven-point teaser, I think teasing them up to that nine-and-a-half, ten-and-a-half mark is an absolute lock for Tampa Bay in this game. I mean, Tom Brady hadn't been an underdog in a long time. I'm sure he's got that chip on his shoulder, like I just said. And, you know, I'm just... I feel like it's going to be a great game, and to be honest with you, Ben, I'm actually opposite on you of who I feel like is going to be better at getting to the quarterback here. I think Tampa Bay will. They returned Shaq Barrett, who I believe he was led or he was second in the NFL in sacks last year, not to mention Dominican Sue up there wreaking havoc on that line. I think a lot. I mean, I, I think this is going to be a hell of a game, honestly. I'm kind of pissed they didn't put this game on on Sunday night, aren't you? Uh, I'm pretty shocked. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you would think they would save the biggest matchup. I mean, don't get me wrong. Whenever you have Dallas versus L.A., I mean, the Cowboys are obviously the most popular team in the NFL versus L.A., but, I mean, you have Tom Brady playing against the Saints. I feel like that game should – I feel like that takes a little bit of priority it's, over your two big TV markets. And I mean, I think, it, it, it's also Tom Brady's first game uh, in, mm-hmm. the hell, in the hell division. It's also Gronk is back. It's also you just brought in Leonard Fournette. I, I do yeah. – I, I heard this from someone else. I do not want to take credit from this. Uh-huh. But do you think Len, you think Leonard you think Brady is going to look at Leonard Fournette and just be like, "Hey, I need you to be my Legarrette Blunt. You're going to get the ball on the goal line. I need you to run as hard as you can and run someone over." That's what that's what he needs him to do. They this offense does not need Fournette to be what he was drafted to be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Legarrette Blunt and Tom Brady had some. Well, Tom Brady always has success. But Garrett Blunt, Tom Brady, and Bill Belichick, Leonard Fournette is a big, big running back. You know what I mean? So I, I wonder if that's how he's going to be used. Um, Brady, um, you know, Max Kellerman's been saying this for a while. He's been wrong for a while, but I think he's right now. Brady is on the decline, but Brady's version of the decline is still better than almost everyone else in the league. The dude's just a freak. No, that's Breeze is in that too. Um, yeah, no, I'm I'm right there with you on that one. Um, yeah, no, I I agree with you completely. It's gonna it's gonna be crazy to watch, man. Like I really can't believe that, that Brady's playing for a different team. Can you? Nope. And Gronk. That's uh, gonna be crazy to see. Anyway, anyway, 
Let's move now to the last game here on our uh, chart, and that would be the Atlanta Falcons. You know I had to put the Falcons on here, hosting the Seattle Seahawks. The spread is Seahawks minus 2.5, over under at 49. What do you think about this one, Ben? Oh, I, you know who I – I know one person that's smiling, and he's playing the Seahawks. That would be future Hall of Famer, quarterback number two, Matt Ryan. His numbers against the Seahawks are always – great to look at um but no uh, i have no faith in this falcons defense supposedly the pass rush is a lot better i don't believe it um a lot of youth in that secondary um good luck putting a rookie on tyler lockett um good luck putting either a rookie or second year or third year player on dk metcalf um hopefully keanu neal uh can help out um, in the department of DK Metcalf, because I don't know whether it's going to be Sheffield. I don't know if it's going to be Terrell. Uh, whoever's guarding him, it's a, it's a mismatch already. So hopefully our safeties can help out. I'm so excited to see Deion Jones, uh, number 45, and Keanu Neal back for the Falcons. Unfortunately, I don't think it matters. Seahawks minus two and a half. Okay, okay. Um you know what, just for the sake of being opposite and being a homer here, I'm going to go the opposite, but I'm not betting this game. Um, when I look at this thing from the Falcons side, by the way, I did play DK Metcalf in my fantasy FanDuel lineups. So I think DK Metcalf's going to have a massive game. but He's got a mismatch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so does but, Tyler Lockett. Um, mm-hmm, that's exactly what I'm saying. But the Seahawks are traveling coast to coast, which puts them at a little bit of a disadvantage here. On top of that, um, the Falcons can put some points up on this team, you know? I mean, they don't have a pass rusher anymore. They have no more Jadavian Clowney. We finally have a decent offensive line. I feel like we're going to run the ball all over them here. They still have Frank Clark? During early. Oh, shoot. They still have Clark? I didn't even think. Well, no, they traded Frank Clark to Kansas City, right? Uh, I think you're right, actually. Yep, yep. Yeah, he, or no, they traded Frank. Yeah, they traded Frank Clark to Kansas City and then, or either Kansas City or San Francisco. I can't remember. It's one of the two. But anyway, they don't really have a great pass rush, which I think is hurts them a little bit. So, in all honesty, you know what? Just to be a Falcons homer, I'm going to go with the Falcons here. I think Julio is going to have a massive game. I think this Falcons team is going to roll in with the momentum that they established last year. And I think they're going to come out and say, hey, 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 nobody's talking about us. Let's come out here and punch Seattle in the mouth and make a statement to start the season out. Uh, do you know why the Falcons cut Laquan Treadwell? Um, probably because he's not any good. He was having a pretty good camp from what i read but anyway uh so the falcons don't have for all former first round picks on the offense anymore um i'm really interested interested to see what uh who's our offensive coordinator dirt cutter right mm-hmm. i'm interested to see the game plan for todd Gurley. um i personally don't think it's very hard to call plays for a man like todd Gurley. he's got amazing hands out of the backfield uh he blocks fairly well and he runs hard between the tackles and outside the tackles. I know that no one really knows what his uh, knee injury is going to look like, but I look forward to seeing him uh, involved in the pass game to give Matt Ryan another weapon. Um, and I'm interested to see what wide receivers step up. Obviously, you have Julio. Obviously, you have Calvin Ridley. Um, who's going to be that third guy? A lot of people think it's going to be Hayden Hurst. Uh, t- <laughs> A lot of, I mean, Russell Gage is there too. I mean, Hayden Hurst has some good hype coming out of camp, former – uh, first round pick out of South Carolina. He's an incredible athlete. If you don't know, he was also drafted to the MLB. Um, he didn't really get his big time shot in Baltimore. Um, he was there for a year before Mark Andrews got there. Then they drafted Mark Andrews. He went off like crazy. Um, so I'm glad to have Hayden Hurst. Um, you know, Austin Hooper was very successful. I'm interested to see if we can still have that tight end success. Listen, the Falcons should be able to put up points. I, I'm not – I don't go into Sundays too worried about the Falcons' offense. There's just too much talent there. If the Falcons can have a defense that's ranked somewhere between – this is a stretch – but 12 to like 22 in the league, mm-hmm. then, there's no re- then there's no reason this team should not be in the playoffs. Now, I don't know if that's a hot take or not. I don't think it is. Have you ever seen the numbers where the def- the defense has ranked for the Falcons since Matt Ryan has become the full-time starter? Yeah, they make me want to throw up. It's 
I, I used to know it off the top of my head. It's something like the best they've ever finished is like mid twenties. He's even the Super Bowl year, they weren't even that good of a defense. I mean, yeah, they're here and there. Um, it's it just comes down to the defense, and it makes no sense because her head coach was a defensive mastermind. So it begs me to think: Does that mean Pete Carroll is as is an elite? even more of an elite coach than he already gets credit for. Was it all Pete Carroll coaching that Dean or was Dan, Dan Quinn there? Because I haven't seen much from Dan Quinn. Um, we've drafted more defensive players than like the defense should be good by now. Vic Beasley <laughs> should have turned out. Dan Quinn said he was going to be good. He wasn't good. Uh, Tack McKinley still looks overweight to me. Grady Jarrett, <laughs> I love you. Marlon Davidson, I think Marlon Davidson is going to be good. I like the big men up front. I need Deion Jones and I need Keanu. Uh, uh, yeah, I almost said Keanu Reeves. Oh, my God. Keanu <laughs> Neal to stay healthy. The secondary is the biggest question ever. I mean, there's just – the guys playing the outside of A.J. Terrell have not played a lot. And then you throw in A.J. Terrell, who was our first-round corner out of Clemson. He looked good in camp. Julio said he competes well, is expecting him to make plays. The Falcons are the biggest question mark. Uh, you can ask Big Cat or Marty Mercer at Barstool. They bet him almost every week, and they complain about him almost every week. That's why I'm taking Seattle. But I'm not hey. actually taking this game week one. I'm not going to bet against my Falcons. But I would take Seattle to this game. Hey, you know, Ben, you made a pretty convincing argument there. I don't know if I can if I can say anything. You said there's faults and make another case to take the Falcons. But regardless, I'm ready to watch my Falcons. I'm hoping we can shock the world, including me and Ben as well, and pull off a big win on Sunday. Ben, any final words before we get out of here? Yeah, I want to add one fan to the Falcons game. Cody Hardich. I need my boy in that stadium. Just like I need Steven in, in Tallahassee, I need Cody. Hey, that's, all, need- that's all I got. I'm hey, excited. Yeah, we need somebody in there to pull us through. I agree with you. That's all I got for this podcast as well. Um, we'll, we'll we'll keep track of how our bets do this week, and we will uh, get back to you all on how that we do did this week on the next podcast. But, Ben, I appreciate you helping me out once again. Oh, I plan on being glued, you know, oh. to my couch. Hey, same here. I'm going to be doing a whole lot of nothing this weekend. Best believe that. Be a whole lot of fun games to watch, but as usual, we appreciate everyone tuning in, and we'll talk to you all soon.